Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We got a lot to get to in the second hour of the show. David Staples coming up momentarily from the Cult of Hockey. Um, we're going to hear from Kelly Hodgson from United Sport and Cycle are celebrating their 95th anniversary. I did not know that they opened back in 1928. Wow. He's coming down the pipe at 135. Brennan's going to help set up the Elks game as well with us today. Love this day in Oilers history. I just want to get to a text. Roland has texted us. He says, Bob, do you think the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning will get Tanner Genot re-signed, or did they trade a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and a former first for a rental? They're getting him re-signed. But here's what's interesting about Tampa Bay. they got two forwards that are pending RFAs. Uh, you know, and, and again, Genot is an RFA. He's not a UFA. Ross Colton is also an RFA. And if I were to hazard a guess, I could foresee a scenario where maybe Colton ends up getting three million times he gets a similar deal to what Nick Paul got which in we used to talk about Nick Paul a lot in this show when he was in Ottawa just like we talk about Connor Brown and Connor Brown makes a lot of sense to Edmonton by the way on a uh, base bonus deal as a potential uh, UFA this summer second hour brought to you by World of Spas you can reach us on the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline 7804960063 the River Cree Resort and Casino excitement bet on it you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line Get the new floors you always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. As we uh, bring aboard from the Cult of Hockey, we've moved them around the last couple of weeks. David Staples uh, from the Cult of Hockey and the Edmonton Journal. Hello, David. How are you doing? Great, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Look, one of the things that you do with the Cult of Hockey, which has a pretty significant uh, following out there, is, is you, you know... You're a bit of an aggregator for some of the you know various topics that, and you've certainly quoted this show over the years. Uh, we had a scenario this week where Bell made a decision to basically shutter an entire radio station, and some some good people ended up losing their jobs. Did you, did you have anything to, to sort of? Because I know you certainly referenced some of the on-air hosts and, and some of their comments in the past with your work in the cult of hockey. It's just it's brutal what's happened to. Uh... The mainstream media in the last 20 years, it's um, jobs have disappeared, disappeared left, right, and center. At the same time, um, you know, a lot. I think a lot of the really popular hosts and uh, writers are going to find new homes on different platforms. Uh, podcasts are taking off. We see Ryan Jesperson, who started up his own podcast. Yep. 
um, his own show on YouTube. And I think that's the model that we're going to see. There's going to be a lot more kind of independent um, businesses built around personalities like Alan Mitchell or, you know, Ryan Rashog just started his Got Your Back podcast. He's still at TSN, but I could see Dustin Nielsen, a guy like him, super talented, having some kind of format that he creates on his own. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to have, we're going to still be hearing from a lot of these people going forward. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, Jason Greger from a, a sales perspective did very well as, you know, as well as hosting a four hour show. And I think of Jason because when I was over at 1260, you know, he was on at night and I was doing the afternoon drive. I bumped into Bryn and Marty this morning and Bryn was doing the morning show and things evolve. All right. Well, let's get specific uh, to the Edmonton Oilers. Have you wrapped your, we just had Elliot Friedman on and he just talked about the fact that. You know, hey, I mean, Elliot actually said during the Vegas series, this could be the Stanley Cup. Uh, and then today he said, you know, they they went, Vegas went 16-6 and six and Edmonton made, you know, I mean, Vegas got up 3-0 on Dallas and ultimately won in six, but the Oilers series was differently. Does that make it any easier to stomach if you're a fan in oil country? It was super bitter for me. <laughs> I think everyone reacts differently, Bob, but... I heard you saying you couldn't watch the last game. I just, I just couldn't watch Vegas. I just didn't want to see them again. And um, I, just, and this was all the more bitter because it's to me the Oilers were the better team this year. They just didn't get it done in a in a, a few aspects of the game. So you know, I've been a, what I've been doing is just obsessing. Where did it go wrong? Like, and I know the Oilers coaches at a much higher level are doing the same thing. So that's been my focus is just, you know, going over, I've been watching the videotape of those games, the orders, Vegas games and, and trying to figure out what exactly happened there. How did it, how did a superior talent team in the order uh, lose to a team like uh, Vegas? All right. And so here's how I'd counter that. Okay. Um, Vegas finished ahead of Edmonton, two points in the regular season and played the back half of the season without Mark Stone. Okay. They certainly, had a deeper team than Edmonton. I think we can agree on that. You look at their fourth line, you, you look at their third pairing defense, like, you know, Hag and White Cloud were, they're, any one of their three defense pairings can play against anybody. That said, and I know Ryan, Ryan Whitney actually on Spit and Chicklets read a text that I sent to him and just said, hey, thanks for keeping the good fight. The Oilers were right there. And that's what's difficult for me is the Oilers won convincingly 5-1 and 4-1 in their wins. They outshoot a team 75-53 to in the final two games. They lose a game in Vegas 4-3 where they have a bad three-minute window and Vegas gets seven power plays. The Oilers earned six of those calls. The one on Broberg, though, that started the negative energy in that game is a really dubious call. Uh, and then at home, they outshoot Vegas 40-22, to 22, but they can't solve Aiden Hill. Like, it, and, and that's what makes it more exasperating and frustrating for me, David, is they were right there. Like, they were right there, but it's got to be stated. Vegas are the champs, and they deserved it. They did, Bob, but just, I mean, the Oilers, in terms of, like, in the last, you know, in the calendar year from, from January 1st on, I think the Oilers were first or second in the league. And, you know, they, they were they second. Their own they troubles. were second They were second in the league. They, they had their own troubles, the Oilers did, with goaltending at the start of the year. They had to figure that out. And once they got that going, and then once they got Eckholm, this is a different Oilers team. This is a, this is a powerhouse team that lost to Vegas. And going over the videotapes, like, it, you know, goaltending was an issue, obviously. Puck luck, a big issue. The Oilers had more 
good scoring chances overall than Vegas did. But Bob, and, and you've, been, you've alluded to this a few times, what hit me over the head was that Vegas zone defense that they played yes. in the playoffs, outstanding. You know, the second, they let Connor McDavid roam around the offensive they end. They did. But the second Connor McDavid went into the slot area, there was invariably two big, skilled defensemen. Not a center, not a winger, not someone trying to cover for the defenseman who's wandered out high to the blue line. But they kept their defensemen tight to the goalie, stacked on top of each other. So one would meet, uh, meet McDavid, and if he got around the one, he'd have to get around the other. And, and what often ended up was McDavid would get a grade-A shot, but it would be from outside. It, would, it wouldn't be of the highest quality. He would get around the one guy, and then he had to get off that quick shot before the other guy got to him. That was their strategy, and it was brilliant. And the Oilers, on the other hand, they played man-on-man. Jonathan Marshall so said, we know how to beat this team. They play man-to-man. We just have to beat them to the net. And they had all kinds of the, the highest quality scoring chances at even strength because they were just constantly beating the Oilers to the net. And it, it often was related to the Oilers not having a defenseman covering the slot. Yeah, it's... It's interesting, right? Because we talk about this and people go, what the hell does Staples know? He never played. What does Stauffer know? I've been talking about zone defense through the U of A program, you know, dating back to February of 2003 on a show called Total Hockey. There's a reason the NBA outlawed zone defense. It works, okay? You don't beat yourself as much. And in hockey, there's teams that want to have at least one defender in front of the net at all times. I mean, I've ta- I talked to a couple of Hall of Famers in the last week, and one of them's theory was that the left side defenseman stays on the left side of the ice until the middle of the ice, and the right side of the defenseman takes stays on the right side. It's that simple. That's that's how you play it, and you always have a net front as a result. And and I just there were times where it looked like Edmonton was getting dragged out into, you know, the high slot, and that was allowing uh, Vegas to beat Edmonton back to the front of the net. I expect that to be clean. You know what? I know this about Jay Woodcroft. He's going to grind. He grinded for his opportunity. He wasn't a former player that got fast-tracked as a coach. He started off as a video coach, and then he became an assistant, and then he became an associate, and then he went down to the American Hockey League and, you know, did three and a half years. David, that was the best development Edmonton's had is when Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson were down in Bakersfield in their organization. That's been the best growth of some of their young players. I, I'm fairly confident knowing that he's going to, uh, fine tune. It wasn't the only reason. Like again, if Stuart Skinner standing on his head, they win the series. Yeah, I think so. But you know, look at Vegas. They how many goalies did they have? They they, they played about four goalies this year. I think. They played five. Every every five goalies. Five and every single one of them had pretty good success, I believe. And I don't think it's because they had five good goalies. I think it's because they had a really really smart defensive system. And and it and it helps with. I also think it helps with puck luck. Because if you have those defensemen who are really skilled at, at um, fronting players at, 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 or being on the right side of players, clearing them out, lifting their sticks, I mean, that's their main skill. They're defensive specialists. When a puck gets loose in the slot, a defenseman is that much more likely than a centerman or a winger to know what to do in that moment, to be in the right position, to be on the right side of the attacker, and to handle those bounces because that's what Marsh so like you, people don't have to listen to me or you about this. Listen to Jonathan Marsh so he he made it clear. 
intermission uh, interview in game six. We're looking for the bounces, and we just have to beat them to the front of the net, and we'll score. All right. That's uh, his words. You asked about the goalies, so here we go. Uh, Logan Thompson saw the most action in Vegas this year. Probably would have been up for the rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt. He went 21-13-3 with a 9-15 save percentage. Yep. Aiden Hill played the second most. He's represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. He has a 9-15 save percentage, okay? Laurent Brassois played 11 games this year in the regular season. He had a 9.27 save percentage. They picked up quick in a, late in the year. He had a 9.01 save percentage, and they never wavered away after Brassois got hurt. The other goalie that got into some games was Yuri Patera. He played a pair of games and had a 9.29. So the five goalies had between 9.01 to 9.29, and four of them had 9.15 to 9.29. That, to me, is a sign that it is system-related, David. I, and and you've talked before about Burke being a good goaltending coach. I'm sure that's true. As He's well, a great goaltending is, coach. And, and when you go, if if anyone still has the the uh, games on their uh, PBR, just go over and you'll you'll see what we're talking about. It just it just hits you over the head like Vegas when the Oilers were attacking um, the Vegas net. There was always defensemen there. They just were there. And they weren't. They you know they would switch off. McDavid would come high to the zone uh the defenseman alec martinez or peter angelo would switch off get back into the slot constantly moving back into the slot uh where they could do their best work alex martinez is the most underrated player in the playoffs i think against the oilers he didn't he hardly made a mistake in his own zone on a grade a shot against that guy is such a sound positional player it just it was amazing to behold someone i didn't even notice him honestly i didn't notice him during the the series very much but he was just always there always stopping the oil what happened to him last year david they missed the playoffs do you recall what happened to alec martinez i think he was injured most of he got kicked in the face by a skate like he had a significant it was a bad one it was it was like dozens and dozens and dozens of, like, I think he had like 70 stitches or something to help. Close. It was just awful. Uh, all right, let's do some quick hitters here. Derek Ryan got a two-year extension from Edmonton, $900,000 price point. There were some people that criticized the two-year term. And he took a $350,000 pay cut. Where would you rate Ryan amongst Edmonton's wingers in the playoffs? He was the top winger. He was their best two-way winger. I mean, partly because um, can you say that about a can you say that about a guy that plays ten minutes or eleven minutes a game? Well, you can you could you you have to factor that in. You have to factor in ice time, quality of competition. But his perform his level of performance wasn't just a little bit better than Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Kane players like that. It was a lot better. So I think even factoring in quality of competition, Ryan got the job done. He was just, he just hard, he was just, he was the Alex Martinez of forwards. He just did everything right for the Oilers. So, you know, and the second year on the deal, maybe he'll slow down by then, but really um, you can, you can bury that money in the minors. Uh, it won't count against the Oilers cap. It's, that's Daryl Cates's. That's on Daryl Cates. That's part of the, the, the extra spending that Cates has done on a consistent basis since he took over the team which helps the Oilers. And it's his willingness to spend like that that keeps probably kept Ryan in Edmonton right now because he could have got more in another city. But it's the two-year deal that makes it attractive to come here and stay here. Uh, Brett Pesci's name got mentioned out there. I, I'm not quite sure how Edmonton makes that happen. I mean, he's got to get 
I mean, if if Severson gets eight times six point two five, Pesci's got to be in the five and a half to six million dollar range. He's a better defender, maybe not quite as good offensively. What do you think? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He, he, it just strikes me, Bob, like he's a good player, but he'd have to be like a one-year rental. I mean, you could make that deal happen. You could get, you could trade, you know, CC and, sure. and Fogel for draft picks, and then you could trade Philip Broberg in a first pick to get Brett Pesci. And so you have him. But after that, you can't, you can't sign, like, you just can't sign him. There's no room. The orders are going to need, unless you want to lose Evan Bouchard, unless you want to not have money to sign Ryan McLeod and um, Dylan Holloway going forward. The Oilers can't afford another five to six million dollar a year player, I don't think, unless they, they really slash other salary. And they're going to have to do that down the road to keep Evan Bouchard. But you can't, I don't think you could have uh, four defensemen making five million or more on your blue line you know, uh, in years to come. Provincial Affairs columnist, uh, feature writer for the Edmonton Journal and with the Cult of Hockey, David Staples. David, you covered the pursuit of the arena deal. We had Dr. Mark Rosentraub on the show on Wednesday. Uh, I first saw him at the U of A when he had the book Major League Losers Out, which is all about, you know, municipalities funding arena deals for pro sports franchises in the middle of nowhere, which he hated seeing. He had a chapter at the end of that book saying the way it needs to work from a public policy perspective is to do it in a downtown location that helps revitalize that. He subsequently wrote Major League Winners, and he told us the other day that he's going to have an amendment to that book out where he talks about how Edmonton's deal was a home run. Does that surprise you? No, I think that uh, the last time I checked, the um, the the mechanism where you know the whole idea was the arena was going to increase taxes in the downtown, and it's done so. It's it's meeting that those targets and and uh, paying for itself in that way. Bob, our downtown is really struggling right now. Yep. You know, we have uh, crime and drug issues. Uh, we won't get into the causes of that. Just say we have them. And um, partly related, and you know, downtown emptied out because of COVID. And just the, the one thing, though, the one real strong point right now in our downtown is that arena district. It brings life there. Uh, the arena building itself is gorgeous. Um, the di- the district is taking off. People were thronging there during the playoffs. If we didn't, if we didn't have that arena downtown in Edmonton right now, I just can't imagine how bleak things would be. Uh, in a in a really tough situation, it gives us an anchor for that downtown that's not going away, and um, we can build on that. The city can build on that, and downtown can rebound around the arena. It was the correct decision. It was um, a smart decision. It was a good deal for Edmonton, and um, I'm glad it's turned out because I don't think I could walk through the city if it didn't. <laughs> All right, David. How do people follow you? Uh, at the Cult of Hockey. I'm going to look forward to Kurt Levin's nine thoughts coming up on Sunday because I think he's going to, as a guy who is heavily involved with the Patterson Group uh, in terms of the procurement of talent, I think he's going to have some pretty interesting thoughts on uh, what's occurred here in this uh, in uh, this uh, this region here over the last week, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he's a radio expert. I mean, he runs radio stations, so 
this is his area. All right, great stuff. Thanks, David. Thanks, Bob. Some guests and orders now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Book your celebration for the census at jvedmonton.ca. Don and the staff will take care of you. We'll come back. We'll squeeze in some texts on the Ashley Pine Flores text line at 123. You're listening to orders now. Heading out to uh, Wetaskiwin, where cars cost less today to do a little vehicle switch. Uncle Milt from Brent Ridge Ford says advertising on Oilers now works. The phone's been ringing, but they're still in need of quality used vehicles, and they're prepared to pay top dollar for trade-ins or outright purchases. Remember, there's a reason that Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is a 12-time President's Award winner for customer satisfaction. If you want fair treatment during every aspect of your vehicle purchase and ownership, call Johnny. Rich, Uncle Milt, and the team at Brent Ridge Ford, 780-352-6048. Cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Lee has texted us, Lethal Lee. Anybody know who Lethal Lee was? If you're an old school Australian rules football fan, uh, shoot in a text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Lee texts the show to say, would Edmonton ever do a trade for Connor Hellebuck? Swap him for Campbell, would Winnipeg bite? And even Nugent Hopkins for Shifley. That one comes to us from Lee. I think we have to be pragmatic, Brendan Escott. I'm going to bring you in right now. Uh, since we're talking about vehicles, uh, there's a term negative trade equity when you have a really bad ve- At this stage of the game for Jack Campbell, he's got four years left at $5 million. You would have to accompany something with Cam- like Cam- So what I mean. The orders are kind of, for, for a year, another year, it's going to be Skinner and Campbell. And Jack was good in the playoffs. He's got to step up and you know push back and try to rip that number one spot back from Skinner next year. They're not doing that deal. There's no chance. Like the others would have, you're talking two number ones in that deal because you have to pay for, you know, the, the term length left on Campbell just to get in the game on Hellebuck. That's exactly right. It's not just because the money kind of looks the same that there'd be, like, if I'm Winnipeg, why on earth would I do that trade unless the Oilers really sweeten the pot? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. All right. Uh, it is 128 in Edmonton. We're going to bring aboard Kelly Hodgson from United Cycle at 133, 134 today to talk a bit about their 95th anniversary. Uh, many of you listening to the show would have had a connection to uh, United Sport and Cycle from back in the day. Uh, maybe you had your skate sharp in there as a kid. Certainly a very popular place, and they're having their anniversary taking place this weekend. That's coming up after a Global News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn.